Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Uh, if you have a Bible this morning, I'm going to invite you to the book of Second Chronicles. Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 20, uh, my favorite Old Testament story. Favorite Old Testament story. Uh, a close second is when uh, Elisha called down bears upon the kids for making fun of his bald head. <laughs> There's a personal reason for that. We can talk about that later. Um, but in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth. Feel free to grab one. If you uh, are a user of the Bible app, you can open up that app, find our live event, and track along. Let's pray, ask for God's help, and we'll get going, okay? Uh, Father, I'm grateful for the um, truths that we're going to see and the invitations that we're going to hear this morning. Um, Please kind of land on us uh, through your word uh, in a way that... that, um, that causes us to wrestle. Um, not, not just kind of the cultural pressure of a new year coming and should there be resolutions, should there not, whatever. Um, instead, Father, that you, you would land on us and it, the, 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 the moment that we have here in your word will cause us to think hard, to search deeply, to reflect, to pray, to repent, to all, do all the things that are required of us. Um, And so come and speak to your people. We desperately want to hear from you, not from a man. Set your kingdom down in our midst. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Uh, So we have three invitations from this story. I don't intend to preach very long. And all God's people said, bunch of sinners. And so... It's my favorite story. And Second Chronicles chapter 20, I just want us to hear these three invitations. Uh, this is not about resolutions. This is about invitations from God to us. Here we go. After this, the Moabites, this is during the king of Jehoshaphat, uh, during the king, uh, the reign, excuse me, of King Jehoshaphat. Um, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and with them some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hezazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. And then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Is that an appropriate response to that? It is. He was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Now, that's just, here's, here's, I just want to pause and talk about these three invitations. The first invitation is an invitation to prayer um, for you and me, uh, both personally, um, as a family, and as a church family. The invitation from God uh, f- uh, to us this holiday season and certainly as we make our way into the new year is an invitation to prayer. Why? Because we have some fairly big problems in our world. And what I mean like our world, I mean like I've got problems in my world, we've got problems in kind of our world, we have problems in our world, and then our world, we got some pretty big problems. Jehoshaphat's problems, they came with names. Moabites, Ammonites, Meunites, they started marching towards uh, Jehoshaphat and the, the king of Judah at the time, and uh, he, he could name them pretty easily. Some of the scariest problems are not the ones that we can name, but the ones that we know are there that we can't name yet. Look at his response, though. Jehoshaphat was afraid. Again, there, there's an appropriate response there. And set his face to seek the Lord. 
and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And so Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. There's the invitation to pray. You and I model our lives uh, based upon this. That there would be a, a sense in which the big problems call us to, invite us to, to seek the Lord, to, to, um, to pray, to, to spend time in prayer individually, as a family, as a church family, praying for the things that are happening in my life, for the things that are happening in my family's life, for the things that are happening in our church's life. We have some really big problems. Thankfully, though, there is a much, much bigger God than these problems. Verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? That's a good, that's a good moment right there. Okay. Why? Because where are Jehoshaphat's problems? They're on earth, like right out there. And so what, how is he locating God in the midst of this? Aren't you the God who's in charge of all of this stuff? It's good to have a God who's in charge of all of this stuff. Who's with me? Aren't you God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, including those who are marching against me. In your hand are power and might so that no one is able to, or none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it uh, uh, forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they've lived in it. They've built you a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, the judgment, pestilence, or famine, we'll stand before you, uh, excuse me, before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and we will cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save. And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. Jehoshaphat's prayer goes something like this. Hey, God, you're the one that's in charge. Amen and amen to that. Hey, God, you put us here in this place, and we know that this is an important thing, and so you're fulfilling your promises to your people in that. We're going to stand fast on those. And by the way, these knuckleheads who are marching against us are the people you told us to avoid. So this isn't even our fight. This isn't even our fault. This isn't even our problem. Nobody in the room has any issues that weren't created by you, but you still have to deal with, right? Just checking. Verse 12. This is, this is my favorite part of the prayer. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Big problems, but a bigger God. And where did Jehoshaphat choose to focus his eyes? On the bigger God. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. So when you hear an invitation to prayer, I'll just give you a couple things here. Don't, this is not an invitation to feel guilty about not praying. It's just an invitation to pray. The only way that we get about um, getting better at prayer and, and uh, um, getting functional in, in that language of prayer, the only way we do that is by actually praying, not by feeling guilty that we didn't pray. That kind of, Just pray. We just learn to pray. Um, you can pray by yourself. You can pray as a family. You can pray with our church family several different times throughout the week. We um, gather together. There's a group that meets Sunday morning. There's a group that meets Wednesday night before all the other stuff happens. 
Uh, anytime you want to come into the building and just pray. I mean, there are all sorts of places. People pray in their small groups and their Sunday school classes. All sorts of places in which people um, exercise this right and this privilege and hear and respond to this invitation to pray. What we don't want to do is feel guilty about pray, or not praying. We just want to pray. Second thing I'll tell you is that I, a lot of the times, like with Jehoshaphat here, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. I am unsure of how this whole thing works, like the prayer thing. I just know that it works. Now, the, the utility of it is not really the point. Um, the, the joy and the relationship that comes from being in prayer with God, that's the point. But I don't know how it all works. Sometimes I just know that we pray and God does stuff. And I think one of the great invitations, um, one of the great kind of invitations built into this would go something like this. Um, if, if, if we could see what happens in the heavens when we pray, I think we would pray more. I think we would. So, uh, my family and I had a fantastic experience. I'm going to actually tell a couple of stories in this sermon uh, about this. But uh, this, this picture will get us a summary of, of how this thing started. This is our Christmas gift to our kids. Uh, that, in case you couldn't tell, that's a hot air balloon. And uh, we, we went up in that bad boy right there. So uh, here's what happens. This guy, his name's Brian. He comes out and he's like, here, hold this up. And he cranks up these fans. They start blowing things in there. There's air filling up this monstrous hot air balloon. Unbelievable. He starts firing off this thing. And it starts tilting up. The basket lifts itself up. I mean, it's just amazing, amazing experience. All the while, uh, I'm just planning in my mind that we're going to get in this basket and it's going to be a pretty amazing thing. I have no idea how the thing works. He steered us in some ways, which I didn't really understand. We went up and we went down. And I get the fact that you use the fire to make it go up and then there's some sort of string that you pull to make the thing go down. I get all that. But the truth is, is that you could come up with all of your um, uh, thermodynamics and all the things that you could tell me about that. I still don't know how the hot air balloon worked. I just know that it worked. Here I am proof positive. Like we went up and we came down and here I am. I just know that it worked. And all along, I would just kept saying, this is an amazing experience. And I think that's prayer. I don't always understand how it works. I just know that it's an amazing experience. And here we are living proof of that. If, if we could see what happens in the heavens when we pray, I think we would pray more. Um, and, and further, I, I think um, if we could understand opportunities that got missed because we didn't pray, I think we would pray more. I don't think we'll get to the end of our lives and think to ourselves, man, I should have posted more on social media about issues that were important to me. I, as a pastor, this is one quote that I'll never forget. B Billy Graham, at the end of his, uh, like when he retired from public ministry, one of the guys asked him and uh, said, hey, you know, like looking back on all these faithful years of ministry, what would you do? He'd go, oh, that's easy. The guy's like, all right, let's see. I would have studied more and prayed more and worried about all the rest less. Oh, my God. And further, I just, I think further, if we could just know how much God our Father loves hearing from his kids and answering our prayers, I think we would pray more. How many of you had uh, at least uh, kids of excitable age at your house over the course of this past week? 
Okay? You had some experience with kids of excitable age, whatever that, they could be 17, they could be 40 for all I care, just excitable age, right? And there came a moment where uh, bows started flying and wrapping paper started flying and boxes that you taped up better than you remember taping up and you had to get the knife out and cut it all up, out it comes, right? And then there was what? There was this explosion of joy, right? And not just from the kid, but also from the one who gave the gift, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, if, if you knuckleheads, being people who don't really get it, if you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father, the one who fills the heavens, love to give gifts, good gifts, to his children? It's an invitation to prayer. Picking back up. Verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their children, uh, with their little ones, their wives, their children. The spirit of the Lord came, came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed at this great horde. And he was already afraid. So now God's like, hey, don't be afraid. Uh, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they'll come up to you by the ascent of Zeus. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah, Jerusalem. Don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed. You think he repeated that for a reason? Sometimes we need to hear things more than once. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. So it's an invitation also to listen. Why? Because speaking is not his problem. Listening is ours. It's an invitation to listen. Um, sometimes God's word, uh, when he comes to us and when he speaks, um, uh, we are unwilling to hear for any number of reasons because we don't like what he's saying, because we are so distracted by other things that are happening in our world, uh, but because our, our lives are just so chaotic and we just can't focus and hear. I mean, there's any number of reasons, but speaking is not his problem. He's given us his word. He's, his words are clear to us. Speaking is not his problem. Listening, listening is ours. And so sometimes when God's word comes to us, what it does is that it makes us feel really small. I love this one, uh, just as an example. Job's talking to God. He's like, hey, God, uh, you kind of uh, let some things get out of control here, didn't you? I'm not sure what you're doing up there, but maybe you want to put down the phone or quit Facebooking or whatever you're doing and like, like lock in here on this moment. And God says, oh, good. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Just where were you when I made the world? I can't remember. When I created the sea, the sea monsters and stuff like that, those things that you're so scared of, and I, I was creating those. Were you beside? I can't remember. Were we in that conversation? I love that one. Hey, just by the way, when I flung the stars into the heavens, were you there? Were you like handing me star stuff to throw up there? Like what was the... Sometimes when God speaks to us, we feel really small. Now, uh, me personally, I've never got into the creation conversation with God about that. But uh, on occasion, uh, he'll say something to me like, hey, listen, uh, remind me again, what does it gain the whole, uh, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses the things that are most important, his soul? What is that again? What? You're like, oh yeah, thanks for that. 
Or, hey, if you want to follow me, you know, you know what today, you, here's your to-do list for today. If you want to follow me, here's your to-do list. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow. Oh, right, right. That's pretty small. Sometimes God, when he speaks to us, kind of chops us down to size a little bit. and reminds us that he is the God in the heavens. Our problems may be big, but there's a bigger God. Sometimes that's what he reminds us. But sometimes he makes, when God speaks to us, all of a sudden we feel empowered. We feel big. And I'll just give you a couple of examples here. Something along the lines of, hey, listen, if God is for us, then who could be against us? If God's for us, then who could be against us? And so you're looking at Tuesday's appointment or next Thursday's meeting, or you're reading that email that's now sitting on your laptop going, oh, God. And what do you remind yourself? If God's for us, then who could be against us? Uh, another one, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else gets taken care of. All these things will be added to you. God just clears the space and says, I got the rest. You commit yourself to these things and I got the rest. And you're like, I can do that. Let's go. I'm going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else is going to just figure out. God's just going to work his economics, make the math happen, do the thing, whatever it is, he's going to make it happen. All these things will be added to you. Sometimes it makes us feel small and sometimes it makes us feel big. But here's what it always does. It always reveals his heart for you and for me. God always reveals, through his word, he always reveals his heart for you and for me. Uh, we were up in the basket, and uh, we're starting descent, and the pilot goes, hey, listen, uh, here's the deal. We're going to start our descent now, and I'm going to pull this thing, and we're going to start going down. You won't really feel it. It's going to be great. We're going to hit that field right over there, and everybody's like, uh, okay, the one like right over the building? Yeah, that's the one we're going to, great, sounds great to me. So we're, he's like, okay, so when we go in, just giving you this heads up, like this is the way that we're going to go in, the basket's going to be oriented this way, and this is going to be the leading edge, so you need to kind of lean this way. Don't try to go the other way, don't try to face this way. He's walking us through the whole thing, and then he ends the thing with, and by the way, if I say, hey, the basket's about to tip over, then what you want to do is, which I was like, what? Can, we, can I hit the back button about five seconds to do what? It's, he said, if the basket's about to tip over, here's what I want you. I want you to squat down and lean against this wall because it'll go over and then it'll just pop right back up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Anybody hot air ballooned before? Anybody gone up in a hot air balloon? Yeah, a couple of you? Yeah. yeah. I, there was a point where I just turned around and I looked at the guy and I'm like, what are my other options here? Like, do I jump from 20 feet? No, I'm not going to do that. I mean, like, what, what are my other options? I have to, listen, what do I have to do? I have to, I've got to trust the pilot. I have to trust the pilot and what he said. Because, I mean, his whole business is built upon us having a good time, right? I mean, like, that's the, like, surviving and having a good time, probably in that order. That's his whole business. So he's telling us these things, if you will, revealing his heart here. And at some point, what do I get to do? I get to trust the pilot. And some of you are at a place in your life where God has spoken to you, and it may have made you feel big, and it may have made you feel small, or it may have said, fear not, be not dismayed. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? And you know what? There comes a point where you do what? Where you trust the pilot. Last thing. Verse 18. And then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, all Judah. 
and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The Levites, Kohathites, Korhites, they stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out in the darkness, excuse me, in the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. In other words, trust the pilot. That's what he's saying. And when they had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. So just picture this, okay? Can you get this in your brain? All right. They're going out to war. They've had this guy speak and say, don't worry about it. You just got to stand firm. God has spoken. He said, this is where they're going to be. Just go out there and watch the deliverance of God. And so they respond by saying, fantastic. Let's send the army out. But before the army gets there, let's send out Frank and the worship team. That's what we want to do is send them out first. And we'll just let them lead the way. So Frank's coming in on his guitar. He's like, oh, no, you never let go through the calm, through the storm, at the ascent of Aziz. And here we go. Off we go. They're leading the way. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who'd come out against Judah. And they were routed. For the men of Ammon, <coughs> excuse me, Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped destroy one another. Verse 24 is where we'll end. And when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked, behold, uh, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. None. Uh, this last invitation is simply an invitation to obey. It's an invitation to obey. Uh, to, to do so, we have to release a couple of things. We have to release control, and we have to release fear. So control, hey, we're going out to a battle. We should put the army out there first, make sure they get surrounded, maybe flank them on the right and do this thing on the left. We'll, we'll send a couple of scout teams out there. And Jehoshaphat just said, I don't know what we're doing. Frank and the worship team, they're leading the way. You know, put them out there. We'll dress them in the choir robes. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Off they go. They have to relinquish control. Um, some of us live with this sense. I'm the only one who is concerned with and working on the outcomes of my life. And we call that a control issue. Can I say that again? I'm the only one. I'm the only one who is concerned about and is working on the outcomes of my life. If that's true of you, you've got control issues. And so part of what the Lord is calling us to is to release that and to say, hey, God, like, you're the one who's actually working on this stuff. You're in control. You've got this. You, 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 you know how to make this thing go. You're more concerned about the outcomes of my life than even I am. You're working on these things. You're concerned about these things. And I can trust you. You have to relinquish um, control. Maybe it's uh, in your parenting. Maybe it's in your marriage. Uh, maybe it's uh, as you uh, make your way uh, toward the winter seasons of life or you watch people that you love do that. Uh, maybe, maybe, I, just, I wrote this down this morning. I think it's for somebody in here. Maybe uh, the, the control that you have to relinquish is you actually have to take the positive step of forgiving someone because you're using your unforgiveness to try to control that relationship. And the truth of the matter is that the uncontrol, excuse me, the, the unforgiveness is actually controlling you. 
This isn't passive. It's very active. But we release control. But, and also we release fear. We release fear. And, and uh, this is a prayer that I've been praying uh, for me over the past, I don't know, let's say a couple of weeks or so. Uh, it came out of my mouth in a conversation uh, over lunch one day. And I'm like, yeah, I think I need to hold on to that one. I just said this, God, may may I never be the person, may we never be the people whose fear determines our obedience. May we never be the people whose fear determines our obedience. Fear of what people are saying or what they're not saying. Fear of what they've liked or they didn't like, what they responded to or didn't respond to. Um, Fear of somebody else's approval. Uh, Fear of... um, the presence of something in your life or its absence in your life? Uh, Can I really live with this or live without this? Can I I really live with them or without them? Uh, Maybe even an addiction where the Lord has set you and and called you to freedom and you want sort of to walk in that freedom, but you're not sure that you can live without whatever it is that he's asking you to be free from. Um, some of us live with great fear that, that somehow, some way, we'll be abandoned again. Someone we love, someone we care about, someone we need their approval, whatever it is, to be free. May we never be the people whose fear determines our obedience. Uh, we'll, we'll never see what God wants us to see uh, unless we step out into obedience. And so I'll just um, I'll say it this way. Uh, the, the pilot was telling us stories while we were up in the balloon. He said, yeah, one time I took this guy from New Jersey, uh, excuse me, from New York. He grew up in the Bronx, big New York boy, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, he, he, he went about, he was about 6'4", went about 280, big old honking boy, all right? Big boy. Uh, and uh, strong guy. And uh, as soon as they started lifting up, that cat hit his knees and was holding on. His arms were long enough to hold on to both sides of the basket. And the pilot was saying the whole basket was shaking because he was shaking. And after they cleared about 500 feet or so, he looked down and goes, hey, man, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's good. I'm just good. I like this. And, you know, the whole basket shaking. And he missed like the first 15 minutes of the flight. Because he's cowering in fear. May we never be people whose fear determines our obedience and getting to see the things that God wants us to see, to be a part of the things that God wants us to be a part of. It's our obedience that makes all the rest of it stick. 